Hey, let's open our Bibles to uh, Colossians chapter 4, last section. When did we start this? No, it hasn't been that long. Colossians chapter 4, last week we looked at four different people, Jesus, Justice, or Yeshua, Justice, who, that guy, we don't know a lot about him, he just quietly did his thing, he quietly served with the Apostle Paul, Paul called him a fellow worker, and that's pretty much all we know about this guy, Jesus, Justice, but he was important, and he got his name in the Bible here, and then the secondly, we looked at a guy named Epaphras, and he was... Uh, the guy who helped get the church started in Colossae, who this letter was written to, though he was now with Paul, spending time with Paul, sending greetings back to the church. Um, he helped to get that started. He was a servant. He was called a servant of Jesus Christ. But one, one thing that really stands out with him, if you look in verse 12, it says, He is all, always wrestling in prayer for you. This guy was a prayer warrior, and he was wrestling and and, and, and just praying for people. And prayer makes a difference. I want to, I want to encourage you for that. So if, you thinking, if you're thinking about somebody, pray for them. If you're thinking about somebody who's having a hard time, pray for them. Wrestle in prayer for them. The third one he mentions is Luke the doctor who wrote the Gospel of Luke and also the book of Acts. And he stuck by Paul and, and he used his gifts and abilities in the way that God had given them to him. And then fourthly, but thankfully not lastly, this guy named Demas, who at this time of Paul's writing, he was with Paul. But later on, Paul says that Demas, he loved the world and he deserted. He left his post. He went out because he loved the world. And that's why John says, don't love the world or the things that are in the world because they're not from the Father. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Watch out for those things. Demas went and took a, a big detour from the path that God had for him because he loved the world. I want to tell you that there are, there are some very enticing things in the world. But I also want to tell you that they don't deliver. Amen. They don't deliver. They're, they're empty promises. But Jesus Christ always delivers. He always is faithful. So today we're going to finish the book and the final challenge really in serving in this whole section of greetings and the section of people who are serving and, and the, the title that I've come up with is Complete the Work and you'll see why. Any of you uh, have any unfinished jobs maybe at, ho at home? Any unfinished things that you're, you started, you got like halfway through? Anybody else? Okay, I'm going to cut this message short. We're all going to go home right now and try to get onto those things and finish them up right now. Oh, forget the potluck. But that's unfinished, though. Yeah, we're going to go down and finish that up. You know, we, we got this stuff, we get started, and, and, you know, it's not just true about our jobs and about our work and about stuff that we have to do, but in our serving of the Savior, too. And that's what we're talking about here today. And, and this word, I think, can apply to each one of us because I believe that God uses his word. I believe there's what we call a personal application of scripture. And that, that can happen in a lot of different ways, I believe. 
Now, I, I want to be careful even talking about this because I know some people will take this and they take Scripture like out of context and they twist it and make it say all kinds of different things. But, but I believe God speaks through His Word and that the Word of God is living, it says about itself, and active. And so God can speak to you and I through it if we're listening. God is speaking today. He didn't just say, I spoke once, that's it. If you didn't hear me then, it's too bad, you're done. No, he's still speaking today, and he wants to speak to us, and primarily he speaks to us through his word. So how does he do that? Uh, I don't know if you've ever experienced this or not, when you are going through something, and, and you're, you're going through a trial, perhaps, and, and, you, uh, and sometimes you have to force yourself to open the Bible and read, because you're, sometimes when you're in a trial, you don't want to do anything. You don't want to pray, you don't want to read, you don't want to talk to anybody, especially... But in those times when, when you open God's Word or you hear God's Word on the radio or, or at church or, or in some place, and that Scripture just kind of comes alive for you. Any, any of you ever, that ha, have, ever have that happen to you? That's, that's God uses His Word in that way. And again, you have to be careful that, that you're, you don't take it into some weird place that it wasn't meant to be, that the context is important. But even so, God's Word can speak to you. And, and some of it's very general, but some of it I've found in my own life as a, as a believer for, uh, since 1976. How many years is that? It's a lot, someone says. Yeah, my mind's not working today either. But I know that God has used His Word to speak in my life in, in sometimes very specific ways about specific situations. And, and it happened just recently. Going through something, not sure what to do, reading some, some of the Proverbs, and, and it's like, this is, this is what you're supposed to do. And I said, okay. I didn't necessarily want to do it, what I was reading there, but you know what? It was the right thing, and God used His Word to kind of direct my life. I believe God wants to do that with his word. And again, we have to be careful. If you come up with some weird thing and say, you know, God's telling me to do this by his word, I'm going to say, well, well, yeah, but that's just plain weird. Or that's just, that, that's, like, that's like against some of the other scriptures in the word. You see what I'm saying? You can't get so far out there that, you know. Anyways, but having said all that, don't be afraid that God would speak to you through his word. God wants to. He wants to. It's His Word. So let's look at verse 15. Pick it up there. He says, Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And after, after this letter has been read to you, see, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus... See to it that you complete the work you have received in the Lord. And I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. He starts off by speaking to the brothers there at Laodicea. And, and Laodicea was a sister church of Colossae in the same general area there. And that time they were actually doing pretty good. But we know, right, in the book of Revelation, there comes a time when they're not really doing very good. So things can change in a church's life, and the things can change in our lives as well. At that time, in the book of Revelation, you don't need to turn there, but you know the passage where uh, the Spirit says to the church in Laodicea, He says that you are neither hot 
nor cold. Right, but what does he say that they were? He says they're lukewarm. He says you are all about the things. You say you're rich, you've got all this stuff, but you're, you're kind of not there. You're kind of not with it. And he goes on to say to them, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. He said, so be earnest and repent. He said, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. He says, I'm knocking at the door. He says, you, you've got, you were over here, but now you're over here. I'm knocking at the door. I want to come in. I want to have fellowship. I want to eat with you. I want that, that we would get back to where we were. Maybe that's a message for some of us at some points in time, right? In our lives. Laodicea. And then he talks about Nympha in verse 15 and the church in her home. And, and you all are aware, I'm sure, that back then there were no church buildings. They didn't have them really until like the third century. They, they, they met in people's homes. That's where the church met, in people's homes. And then later on, they began to build buildings. There are others that are mentioned in the Bible. Paul mentions Priscilla and Aquila and Philemon. They had churches that met in their homes. And we saw in the, in the book of Acts as well that Mark's mother... They had a church meeting in their house. They had prayer in their house. And it really, it makes me think about our own homes as well. Uh, one um, man said this, in the early days, church and home were identical. Church and home were identical. So I, I'm thinking, well, oh. But I thought church is over there and home is over here. He said, no, church and home, they were identical, the same. And, and, and may, isn't that kind of... Uh, applicable to us today is, is, is there a big difference when we come over here oh we're all spiritual and, and that and then we get home and we're all worldly and that and he's saying no it should be we should kind of, kind of be the same over here and over there when we're not what's the word for it hypocritical if we're, we're, we're different in one place than we are in the other place so, so I'm wondering you know the church in our house and we, we think about well at church in our house the things that we do there maybe we we wouldn't do here, you know, but it really needs to get to our house. You know, what we learn here, I don't want to put a big heavy uh, condemnation trip on you because God loves you no matter what. But what we learn here, we need to take there too, right? We need to take it home and we need to take it out to where we work and take it to the school we go to and, and wherever we are. Verse uh, 16 and after this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you, in turn, read the letter from Laodicea. It's kind of interesting, this here, uh, this, this verse here, for a couple of reasons. One, it appears that, that they would read these verses, these, they didn't call them verses, right? They were letters. And so Paul would write this letter and they would get up and, hey, we got, a, we got the, a letter from Paul. Everybody, let's get together. And someone would read it aloud. The public reading of Scripture, because whether it was in a home or in a public place, they would read God's Word. Of course, we know it to be God's Word. Paul was writing these letters and the Bible says he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these specific things, these things that were inspired by God, the Holy Spirit working through him. But they were to be read aloud, and that's why we, again, we open up this, 
Bible, we read these letters, we study them, and, and this is what, some almost 2,000 years later, right? Or more than that. More, less than that, because they were written some, somewhere in the 50s and the 60s, right? Now, so we're still reading these letters that Paul wrote way back then. That's kind of, that's kind of crazy, huh? That's awesome. Crazy in a good way. That, that's a term that the young people use. Uh, you know, when I hang out with these young people, they use these words, and I just try to throw them around and make myself, you know, hip. <laughs> that kind of thing. But we're still studying these words. Why? Because, because the Bible says that, that your word, in, in Psalm 119, it says your word is eternal. And then it says in the New Testament, you know, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. The stuff that, that, that us men put together... Gone, done, over with. But God's word is another story. Now the second thing about this, he talks about another letter here. And we really don't know. There's a lot of speculation about this. Some people, you know, they get these things and, they, and then they, they, they spend and write whole books of speculating about what is this other letter that he was talking about from Laodicea. We just don't really know. It's not clear. We don't have it. Was it a lost letter, a letter that was written but now is lost? Um, some people think they were actually referring to the book of Ephesians, which was making, kind of being circulated around. We don't know. But what I do know is that we need to study what we have and obey what we do know. You know, we could spend hours talking about that, but let's talk about what it says here. Let's talk about what it says in verse 17. He says, tell Archippus, see to it, that you, what, complete the work that you have received in the Lord. That's where I, I came up with the title here, Complete the Work. He calls Archippus in, uh, in Philemon a fellow soldier. A fellow soldier. So there's something about this, a kind of a military sense, a military term. He's, if you look at it, it means co-warrior. That we're fighting a fight. We're fighting a battle. And we're in this battle together. We are co-warriors. We're not just, you know, little friends. Hopefully we are friends. But it's more than just a little family and friendship kind of thing, isn't it? We're in a battle. We are in a battle. And, and there is spiritual warfare that's taking place. And you and I need to, to, to be, you know, suited up and ready to fight and we need to fight together for the cause and for each other. That's part of, I think, what Epaphras was praying for. He knew, he knew perhaps they were going through a particular trial or another, and he was wrestling in prayer for them. And that's part of the armor, that's part of the weapons, I should say, that we have to pray for one another. I, I, I'm reading in the book of Nehemiah, and you all know Nehemiah. He, he's there to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, right? And, and he's going back after they, you know, were, are coming back to the land from exile in Babylon. And he, it says there, right from the beginning, that there were these enemies. And it says that they were angry that, that we were there to, like, start to build this wall. They were angry about it. And so, you know... Nehemiah says, well, you know, we're going to do what we're supposed to do. We, you know, we got to do what we're supposed to do. It doesn't matter whether you're angry or about it or not. But they did take precautions as you read through. They, they had their weapons by their sides. They had some people guarding, some people working, and even the people that were working had weapons. 
So they were prepared for this battle. And it said that they got the wall like half the height. And then it said the enemies now are very angry. Very angry. Made me think about this. You know, you and I have spiritual enemies and they are not happy with us when we are doing what God's called us to do. They are not happy if you are following Jesus Christ. They're not happy if you are, you know, a force for the gospel. They're not happy if you are reading your Bible and you are serving God and doing what God has gifted you and called you to do. They are not happy about it. They're angry about it. So should we just stop? Well, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make you angry. I mean, that's what we do sometimes. We just sit down. If somebody shows us some kind of reaction or whatever, and, and, and perhaps it's inspired in a spiritual way, we, we just, like, stop. That's not good. That's not good. We need to do what God's called us to do and realize it's a battlefield. And that's why we get into it together. That's why we work in this battle together and, and where two or more are gathered. And Jesus sent out his disciples in twos. See to it, he says here. Look at that verse again. See to it. Make sure that you complete the work that you have received in the Lord. Pay attention that you complete the work that you have received in, in the Lord. This, uh, this is a personal word for me. Now, th there are some things I think that are best left between us and God. You don't need to tell, God, tell everybody everything that is going on within your spiritual walk with you and God. But there are some things that you need to let people know that God is, God is speaking. God is doing something. And, and this particular thing, I have this circled in my Bible. And don't be afraid to write in your Bibles and maybe put dates by there so you can remember. Because, you know, I go back a week later and I can't remember. Like, oh, when was that again? So to write things down is not a bad thing. And, 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 and God has spoken these words to me. And, I, and when I come back and I, and I read through the Bible again and I get to that chapter, in those verses I remember, yeah, God wants me. God has spoken to me to see to it that I finish, that I complete the work that he has given to me. He speaks to a specific person there. I even see my name spelled in there. He spelled it wrong. But my, my name is Rich is in there. Can you see that? See that? R-C-H-I. He just spelled it wrong, that's all. He wants me. He wants you. This is a personal thing, and I think it, it can apply for every one of us. He wants us to not stop and, and don't quit. And don't give up. It's too soon to quit. He wants us to complete the work. And, and this word literally means, I looked it up in one of my books, and it said to carry out fully. And literally, one of the translations of it is to cram a net to level up a hollow. Cram a net to level up a hollow. You know, get as much into that as you possibly can. The word speaks about filling up. Filling up. See that you fill up to the fullest the work that you have received in the Lord and, and complete it, finish it, level up the hollow. Keep working at it until it's done. You say, well, when is it done? When is your job done? When is my job done? It's not done until we go home. That's when it's done. So in other words, it doesn't stop. It's not a one-day job. Well, I did that job. I'm all done now. Wrong. 
I got work to do. John Corson said this, it's good. It's good for us as well to do whatever it is that God has told us to do, to keep on with whatever it is God has told us, and to keep on with whatever he, it is he has laid upon our hearts, individually or corporately, to bring it to completion. It's good. It's a good word, he said, for us as well. It's a good word for you and me to, to corporately and individually to keep on keeping on and to do what God's called us to do. Maybe this guy, I don't know, maybe this guy was discouraged. And maybe you're discouraged. Maybe he was just tired. Maybe he wanted to quit. Paul wouldn't have said this to him and the Holy Spirit wouldn't have directed him to say that to him if there was no reason for it, right? He knew, he knew this guy. Some people think he might even, this guy Archippus, might have been Philemon's son. Perhaps he was Philemon's son. Maybe even the minister there in that church that met in Philemon's house. But whatever it was, it doesn't matter. But he needed this word. He needed, he needed this challenge. He needed this encouragement to see to it. Pay attention that you complete the work that you have received in the Lord. I went and saw Jim Cimbala uh, last year in Providence. He was there in Providence. And he started off his, his uh, talk, uh, his message really, with some interesting statistics. And he said this, that every month, and this is kind of specific, but he was talking to, you know, kind of a, 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 was kind of a leadership conference kind of thing. He said, every month, 1,500 leave the ministry. 1,500 every month. He said for different reasons, discouragement, no fruit, or personal problems, 1,500 leave the ministry. He goes on to say, that he went on to say that for every 10 who start, for every 10 who start, only one finishes. Kind of gets to the end of his life or retirement age or whatever. I don't think any of them ever really retire, but gets to that age still in the ministry. One out of 10. That's hard. That's hard. So if that's happening to, you know, quote-unquote people in full-time ministry, what about you and I? What about every one of us? This is a word for every one of us to, to continue, to complete what God's called you to do. Don't stop. Don't give up. Keep using the gifts. Keep doing what God's called you to do. See to it, he says, that you complete the work. See to it that you complete the work. I want to show you a little bit more. Paul wasn't just preaching to somebody else. You know, you can say, well, you know, uh, so-and-so, he just preaches to other people, but he never applies it to himself, right? I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 24. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Acts 20, verse 24. And let's see what Paul says there. Let's start in verse 23 because it gives a little context here. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. That's what he had to look forward to. However, he said, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. 
My life is worth nothing to me, he says, if only that I may do that. If only I might finish the race and, and complete the task, do what God's called me to do. What else matters, really? What really matters? What else matters? Uh, I'm, and I'm uh, uh, speaking from the book of Ecclesiastes on Thursday nights in our radio program. It's a live program. And I went back to a study I did on Ecclesiastes, and I see this over and over again. Solomon, he tries this, he tries that, he tries... Everything that this world has to offer, money, power, women, music, everything that is possibly available. But in the end, it says, you know, it's all meaningless. It's all empty. It's a chasing after the wind, he says. But to do what God's called you to do, at the end, he says, you know, this is, after all's been said and done, he says this, fear God, keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. Fear God, keep his commandments. Fear God. Have an awesome fear and respect of the Almighty God and do what he tells us to do. That's what makes the difference in the end. Solomon, we know Solomon's story. He got this incredible wisdom from God, right? And, and when it was all said and done, that's what he said. You know, what is important in life is that you have a relationship with God, the holy, awesome God, and you do what he says. So that's what Paul's saying here, right? He says it. I want to finish. And then look what he says in 2 Timothy. Turn there with me. 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. This, now Paul, is Paul's last writing. He's, he, he knows that he is going to be martyred soon. It's just, it's just he knows it. He just knows it's going to be ha- happening soon. He says there in verse uh, 6, excuse me, verse um, 3, he says, For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. And and note that there, it's a a form of the same word that we're reading in Colossians. Discharge all the duties. He's telling Timothy that, same message. But he says in verse 6, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished The race, I have kept the faith. And now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. We read what Paul said back in Acts chapter 20, that I I would finish the race, I would complete the task. And here now, he knows that it's just a matter of a very short time before he would be killed for his faith. He sees what's going on in the world. He sees what's even going on in the church. And he says, you know what? I've fought the good fight. We know those verses, and sometimes we quote them, but, but, you know, we can't really quote them until we get to the end. Right now, we have to say, I am fighting. I am fighting the good fight. And I am going to finish the race. And I will keep the faith. You see, it's a, it's a present term, present sense. 
Today we say that so that when we get to the end, we can say, you have, I have. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. One man said this in, the, in the, speaking about Archippus. He said that this, this verse will become much more meaningful to us if we assume that our name is Archippus. And if we hear the Spirit of God saying to us, see to it that you complete the work that you have received in the Lord. He says, each one of us has been given some service by the Lord and we will one day, someday, be required to give an account of what we have done with it. He says, put your name in there. He said, say to and put your name in there. See to it that you complete the work that you received in the Lord. I've already said that I, I believe God has said that to me, and I, but I think this is a verse back in Colossians that he wants us to apply to ourselves. You've got a job to do. You've got a place in this, in this world in a ministry. You remember uh, Jesus. Well, let's turn back to John chapter 4. I want to look at Jesus and what he said about it. John chapter 4, the Gospel of John chapter 4. Got a few more verses that I want to look at together. I know you're getting hungry. Some of you, some of you are thinking about Dave's. John chapter 4, verse 34. Look what Jesus said. Oh, I, didn't even make, I didn't even mean to make this um, connection here, but um, that kind of worked out pretty well, didn't it? He said, my food, because the disciples said, could someone have brought him food? He said, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. That's what's satisfying. You know, we're going to go downstairs and eat in a little bit, and, you know, we're going to get full, and it's going to feel good and everything, but you know what? A few hours later, you're going to want to eat again. It's just not going to satisfy you forever. But something about serving and doing what God's called you to do, though there are trials with it, though there are troubles and, and prison and hardships for Paul, there's something about doing the will of God. There's, there's something about doing what the, the Father sent you and I to do and to finish. Of course, we know at the end of the gospel, what did, what did Jesus say? It said when he, had, when he had received the drink, Jesus said what? It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit all the way to the end, all the way to the end. Can't say I've finished it. I can't say that yet until we get to the end. How about Luke chapter, turn back to Luke chapter 14, verse 28. Luke chapter 14, verse 28. Maybe you're thinking about what you're supposed to do. Maybe you're not sure. Maybe you've heard something and it's wrong or, or you don't know if it's wrong. You want to know. I think this is a good process for us to go through. And I think this is what we're doing on the, on the heartstorming Wednesday nights where we're, 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 we're getting together. We're talking about what are we supposed to do? What can we do? What has God called us to do as a fellowship corporately? Well, look at what he says here. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost or count the cost? to see if he has enough money to complete it. For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Think about it. 
He wants us to think about it. And he wants us to get serious about it. Count the cost. That doesn't mean you count the cost. Well, that's more than I'm willing to pay. Count the cost and realize that, that he has called you and I and he will give us what we need to do what he's called us to do. And we want to get to that finish line. When people look around, he said this fellow began to build and he wasn't able to finish. This guy started something he never finished. He never followed through. Do you want to be looked at like that? I don't want to be looked at like that. Where tomorrow I go out and, and something happens and I, I just go off in another direction. I don't finish what God's called me to do. I don't want to be known for that. You know, for you to hold me accountable, but for me also to hold you accountable. This, we're in this together. We're co-warriors, right? If Ken Graves was here, he would say it in a much deeper voice. Go warriors, like that. I can't even go that low. We're in, we're in this thing together, and we need to, to hold each other accountable. I am going to do the very best that I can do to do what God's called me to do here, but I'm just a human being as well, and I need, I need that accountability and the encouragement, and I think you do as well. So I'm saying to you today, I'm trying to encourage you today. In Hebrews it says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. We need to spur one another on that and give each other a little kick sometimes. Let's get back to Colossians and finish up, shall we? Colossians chapter 4. Verse 18, he says, I, Paul... Write this greeting in my own hand. He said, remember my chains, and grace be with you. He writes this, and, and he would have, typically, he would have somebody he was dictating his letters to, and, and whoever it was would be writing the letters out. But at the end, he says, here, I write this greeting. He, he would more or less sign with his own name. But isn't it interesting, he says, remember my chains. And some have thought, well, the reason he said that right there is because as he's signing his name, the chains that are around his wrist are making some noise. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? Remember my chains. Sometimes there's a cost involved. But that doesn't minimize the challenge to complete the work that you have received in the Lord. What's God given to you? What's God called you to do? But he ends with grace. He always ends with grace, right? God's unmerited favor to us, his unending love to us. And, and we know that he said, Paul said, though he had this thorn in the flesh, he said he prayed three times, right, for God to take it away from him. What did God say to him? My grace is sufficient for you. He said no, basically. And then he said my grace is sufficient for you, and His grace is sufficient for you and for me too. Grace be with you. This letter, this letter of Colossians, we're at the end of it now, to that, that letter written to that little unimportant place where false teaching was starting to creep in, but Paul wrote this letter, and, and really he brings it all back to, to Jesus Christ, the supremacy of Jesus Christ. That's what's important. It's not who these people were, where Colossae was, but Jesus is all important. Let's pray together, shall we?